All right, now for many of us, when we think of individuals in the New Testament whose lives were drastically changed by Jesus, we probably think of people like the Apostle Paul, who went from persecutor of Christians to proclaimer of the gospel. Or maybe we think of people like uh, Nicodemus, who believed in Jesus despite being a Pharisee. Maybe we think of people like the thief on the cross, who began by mocking Jesus, and then later that day said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Yeah, when we think of people who were dramatically and drastically changed by Jesus, these are the types of people that we think of, right? Someone that we might not often think of, in that case, would be John. John, the brother of James, son of Zebedee. John, who was one of the twelve disciples. I don't know if you know this about John, but when young John was following Jesus, I tell you what, he was a spitfire, John. He was something else. Let me give you some examples. One time, John saw someone trying to cast out demons in the name of the Lord, and he told him to knock it off. And he said that because that person was not one of the twelve disciples. Well, Jesus rebuked John for that. One time, John and his brother James convinced their mom They played the mom card. And they got their mom to go to Jesus and ask that James and John would get to sit at the Lord's right and left hand in heaven. You know, places of prominence. The other disciples didn't like that. One time, there was a Samaritan village that didn't want to welcome Jesus. So John and his brother James said, Hey, Lord, do you want us to... It should rain down some fire from heaven and wipe these guys out. Jesus rebuked him for that. It's, it's no wonder that Jesus nicknamed James and John the sons of thunder. John was, John was something wild, I tell you what. But John was also someone changed by Jesus. And the time of the Lord will do that. In fact, do you know what John was known as in his later years. It wasn't a son of thunder, no. He was was known as the apostle of love. One of the reasons is he was always telling the believers to love one another. Now, don't get me wrong, he was still a spitfire in his old age, too. But the difference was was there was a wisdom to it. There was a godly focus in it. And you can actually see a mix of that love and godly zeal in some of the letters that John wrote which we're going to start looking at as a church today. You see, God inspired and guided John in writing five books in the New Testament. They would be the Gospel of John, the letters, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, and then the book of Revelation. And today, we're going to start going through, as a church, we're going to start studying those letters, all right, beginning with 1 John chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, why don't you go ahead and take it out, turn to 1 John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'm going to encourage you to use one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary under the seat in front of you. If you would like to use one of those, you can turn to page 985. Page 985, 1 John chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1, we are going to learn a lot about our fellowship with God from a man who 
knew how great it was to walk with the Lord. So as you turn there, I want you to know that John wrote this as a letter to fellow Christians. And, And although he doesn't name himself in the book, his authorship is well established by early church testimony and by the similarities of the style, the spirit, the wording between this letter and the gospel that bears his name. Church, I'm going to encourage you, if you want to see that, as we study 1 John together, read the gospel of John at home. You're going to see all these similarities in the things that he writes. Now, this letter was written towards the end of the first century, and it addresses things that Christians dealt with then, and as we're going to see, there are things that we still deal with today. And that means that we would do well to listen very intently to what John has to say. So let's look together. 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, says this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it. And testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Let's go ahead and pause. Right here. Keep your place in 1 John. This morning, we're going to really focus on this fellowship that John talks about. And if anybody knew sweet fellowship with the Lord, it was John. John knew about it for the very reasons he was qualified to write and proclaim these things. John wants the reader to understand that he was a witness of the Lord's ministry. John saw Jesus Christ. He saw the miracles that the Lord performed during His ministry. John watched as Jesus suffered on the cross. In fact, John is the only disciple, we are told, was at the foot of the cross when the Lord died. John saw the Lord risen from the dead. Not only that, but John also heard the Lord. You know, we're blessed, church, that in the Gospels, We have the precious teachings of Jesus recorded forever for us. How much more must John have heard in his time with Jesus? The the parables, the teachings, the explanations. Remember, Jesus taught with such authority that people were left in awe. The Lord's enemies were left speechless. And John got to hear Jesus day in and day out. Not only that, but he, he touched the Lord. You see... Despite what the skeptics in John's day and in our day have said, Jesus literally and physically came to this earth. All right? And John knew that. John was testifying to what he had seen and heard and known, and that is Jesus Christ, the word of life. It's through Jesus that we receive new and eternal life. It's through Jesus that we enter into fellowship with God and with God's people. So that leads to the question, what is fellowship? It's a word that we use a lot in church, isn't it? What is fellowship? 
There are a lot of ways that we could define it, but I think the best one, especially when we're talking about fellowship with God, is that that fellowship is an intimate communion with Him. It's like walking hand in hand with Him as He guides us in this life. It's being close with God. And this fellowship only comes through faith in in Jesus Christ. In fact, I was thinking about it this week, and I think a good picture for this fellowship with God uh, is actually through a gospel-sharing technique that some of you in this church are probably pretty familiar with. It's one that the senior pastor who preceded me here was really well known for, and I'd like to share it. It goes something like this. Let's say that this hand represents you and me and everybody. Okay? Let's say this hand represents God. God created us to have a relationship with Him. All right? God created us because He wanted to love on us and care for us and give us the chance to freely love and worship Him in return. But there's a problem. The problem is that we chose sin over Him. All right, so let's let this, this wallet represent our sin. Okay? See, the problem is sin is preventing that relationship that we were made for. And not only that, if, if things are left this way, then when this life ends, we're going to be separated forever from God in a place called hell. That's bad news. And the bad news gets worse because we, we can't get rid of this on our own. We can't make ourselves right. No amount of good works can do that. No, we have, we have just as much chance of doing that as you know, taking a bar of soap and going outside in the dirt and trying to make the dirt clean. You've got as good a chance doing that as you have making yourself clean. We cannot make up for our sin on our own. No, it's only Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus. Jesus came and took the penalty for our sins on the cross. And then He secured our eternal life when He rose from the dead. And the moment we put our faith in Jesus, He forgives us of that sin, past, present, and future. And in that same moment, we enter into that relationship, that fellowship with God that we were made for. Sin kept us from that fellowship. Faith in Jesus brought us in. And that's, that's when things are sweet in life, aren't they, believer? When we're not just in that fellowship, but when we're walking closely with the Lord. Have you felt that before, believer? Have you felt that closeness to the Lord in your relationship with Him? Let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered why you don't always feel close to the Lord, believer? Back in high school, there's this beautiful girl that I had a crush on. She, know, know, uh, she knew that I uh, wanted to date her. And so one day, she looked me dead in the eye and she told me, she said, listen, if we're going to be together, you need to understand something. You never lie to me and you never yell at me. And ever since that time, I've, ever since then, when we started dating, when we got engaged, since we've been married, ever since then, I've remembered that. You were worried when I said there was a beautiful girl I had a crush on. Yeah. Relax. It's okay. But I've remembered that she said that because I've known that those are things 
that would deeply hurt her and ruin the closeness of our relationship if I were to do those things. And believers, here's the thing. If we want a close relationship with the Lord, that close fellowship with Him, we need to understand that there are things that can ruin the closeness of that relationship. And John is going to show us what some of those things are. Look at verse 5. He said, This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. All right, let's stop right here. So God is light. There's no darkness in Him. God's entirely pure and holy. Now, not only is there no darkness of sin in Him, but He exposes all of the sin in us. That's why you'll often find that people who are living in sin, they don't really want anything to do with God. Because the darkness hates the light. So, to walk closely with God, to be in that intimate fellowship with Him, means having your sin exposed, believer. All right, The Holy Spirit's going to convict you when you sin. God is going to reveal truth to you about sin when you read the Bible. Your sin is going to be exposed. And this is important because one of the main reasons, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons why we feel distant from God at times, believers, is because of sin in our lives. Sin strains our relationship with God. Now understand, Sin will not cause us to lose our relationship with God. Sin will not cause us to lose our salvation, believer. But sin will strain that relationship we have with Him. We'll feel that distance between us and the Lord. And there's a right way to handle sin, and there are some wrong ways to handle sin. John's going to show us three wrong responses to sin in our lives. Three responses that will ruin that close walk and create distance between us in the Lord. The first wrong response is to ignore our sins. John says that if we claim to have fellowship, that we were close in our walk with God, but we're living in the darkness of sin, he said, you're lying. We're not living out the truth. You cannot follow God on the pure path of righteousness if you're knee deep in the mud and the filth of sin. You can't have it both ways. But one of the ways that we try and do that is that we just, we ignore our sin. We say to ourselves and we say to others, we say, oh yeah, 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 my walk with God going great. Things are fine. Yeah, we're close. I go to church and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying. Meanwhile, we're ignoring the sins that we've committed. We think to ourselves, yeah, I guess it's true. I hurt so-and-so, but it's not a big deal. It's over. And we say, yeah, I lied, but nobody found out, so I'm going to let that one slide. Or we say, I just realized I was gossiping about someone. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to let that go. This nonchalant attitude that we have sometimes about sin is going to strain our relationship with God. Because even when we don't take sin seriously, God does. God takes it seriously. Sin's the whole reason that Jesus died on the cross. And we need to remember that every sin is a capital offense in God's eyes. Remember, the wages of sin is death. So, 
maybe we should take sin very seriously in our lives. When we do, when we don't ignore our sin, we'll find ourselves walking in the light, addressing sin the right way, enjoying fellowship with God and with God's people. It's not just ignoring sin, though. There's a couple other bad responses to sin that John wants us to be aware of. Look at verse 8. So if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His Word is not in us. So now John talks about claiming to be without sin. Now, plenty of people in the world say things like, oh, all you Christians think you're perfect. Maybe you've heard people say things like that. I have never met a Christian who thought that they were perfect. I've never met a non-Christian who thought that they were perfect. Look, you might meet one or two people in your lifetime that have that delusion that they are perfect. That's a rare thing. Which leads us to ask, what's John talking about? When he says, if we claim we have not sinned. This is the second wrong wrong response. And the second wrong response is to deny our sin. That's to deny that what we have done is sinful. It's to admit the action, but to refuse to call it sin. All right, that's when a Christian might say things like, yeah, I think lustful thoughts, but it's not wrong because it's not like I act on them. Or when a Christian says, sure, I use God's name offhand in my conversations, but it's not wrong. I'm not taking his name in vain. It's not like that's what I'm trying to do. Or when entire church denominations say, homosexuality, doesn't matter what the Bible says. Nah, it's not wrong. It's good. It's acceptable. Okay? These types of things are what we would call the denial of sin. Right? It's refusing to call sin sin. And when you act in these ways, of course you're going to claim that you have not sinned. And John says, when you deny your sin, you're showing that the truth, that God's word, it's not in you. Listen to what James says. James chapter 1. I think this goes a long way towards what John is telling us too. James 1 verses 21 through 22. James wrote this. He said, therefore... Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Look, if you deny your sin, you're showing that the truth of God's word is not taking root in you. It's going in one ear and write out the other. It's a problem. It's the wrong response to sin, believers. Sadly, it's becoming a prominent one in our world and certainly in many churches today. The third wrong response to sin that I want to point out is when we refuse to confess our sin to God. That's when we recognize that we've sinned. We even admit it in our hearts. We know that that's what happened but we're not willing to go to God in prayer for forgiveness. And I think that there are a lot of reasons why we do this as Christians. 
sometimes the truth is we're just not sorry for what we've done, even though we know it's wrong. Sometimes it's because, if we're honest with ourselves, we're already planning to commit the same sin again, so why ask for forgiveness? Sometimes it's because we think that God won't forgive us. He doesn't want to listen to us. He won't care if we come to Him. King David in the Bible is an example of this, by the way. Many of you know the story that King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, had her husband Uriah killed. Then he married her, and he just, just continued on in life. David knew it was sin, but he refused to acknowledge it and confess it to God until he was confronted by the prophet Nathan. Now, we've looked at that story before together as a church. I want to look at something David wrote. Many people believe that David wrote Psalm 32 about that whole ordeal. Now, while we can't be certain that's the case, the situation could certainly fit what David said. I want you to listen to what David said in Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5. Listen to what he wrote. David said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So what were things like for David when he kept silent about his sin, when he chose not to confess it to the Lord? He wasn't walking in sweet fellowship with God. No, he, he felt the Lord's displeasure. And then he confessed his sin. And there, there, church, that is where we find the solution to all these wrong responses to sin. Look back at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. John says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what's the solution to all these things? We need to confess our sins to God. We need to acknowledge when we break His commands. We need to go to Him for forgiveness. Turn from that sin and return to living His way. When we do that, we'll find that fellowship restored. Look, believers, it's true that the moment we came to faith in Jesus Christ, we were forever forgiven, forever justified in the sight of God. On that day, we began walking with Him. But sometimes we choose to walk back into sin. And although that sin can't rob us of our eternity with God, it does rob us of that closeness with God. And so in those moments, we need to confess our sin and return to walking with Him. And we're now at the point with my youngest son, Simon, that on certain occasions, when he does something wrong, he'll go into a little timeout. And what I mean by little, I mean I sit next to him on the couch, and he sits right there, and he sits, and he knows he's in trouble, and he has to sit there for 60 seconds, a whole minute, and it's the end of the world. He cries, and he's devastated, and all he wants to do is get down. But you know what? As soon as it's over, he doesn't get down. Now, instead of 
running off instead of doing something else, he immediately will turn and fall into my arms for a long hug. Because it's not freedom from the discipline that he wants most. It's the feeling of our love for him. And believer, when we confess our sins to God and enter back into his loving embrace, we're going to find that close communion with him restored. Church, fellowship with God is something to rejoice in. And sin is something to be avoided. But when we sin, and we will, let's make sure that we don't respond by ignoring our sin or by denying it or by refusing to confess it to the Lord. In fact, we, we should make it a regular habit in our lives to examine ourselves for unconfessed sin. Taking communion together was a great example of that. Pastor Brandon reminded us of that. We needed to examine our hearts. We should regularly do that. And in those times in life when we feel that distance from God, we should ask ourselves, is there sin that I have not addressed in my life? It's not always the reason, but many times it is a reason that we feel that distance. The truth this morning for us, church, is this. Here's the truth. The same God who wants us to walk with Him wants to forgive and restore us when we sin. The same God who wants us to walk with Him wants to forgive us and restore us when we sin. So we need to confess our sin to Him. Don't buy into the lie that, oh, God's done with me. He doesn't want to hear me. He doesn't want to forgive me. The same God who wants us to walk with Him wants to forgive and restore us when we sin. Now don't misunderstand. There's still going to be times of discipline from the Lord when we sin, believer. But in His forgiveness... We're going to be brought back near to Him. So look, this morning, church, as we get ready to close, during this final invitation song, believers, maybe some of us, we need to bring some sins before the Lord. Maybe God's been laying those things on our heart this morning. We need to confess those things to Him. The invitation song is a great time to do that. You can pray where you're sitting or standing. You can come to the altar and pray, and I promise you other believers will surround you. They don't have to know what you're going through. They'll surround you and pray with you. All right. Maybe some of us, we need, a, we need to rejoice this morning about that fellowship that we have with God. So sing out your praise to Him in this final song. And maybe you're here and you've never received that forgiveness from God, that forgiveness that Jesus offers. Friend, if that's true, please understand Jesus has been waiting your whole life to forgive you, your whole life, to save you from the penalty of hell, to give you eternal life, to start walking with you. The question is, will you give your life to Him? If you want to do that, we want to give you the opportunity to. When I'm done praying, I've asked Brother John, he's going to come to the front. If you'd like to come and talk to him about that, you've got questions for him, you want to pray with him, he'll be here, and I appreciate Brother John for doing that. But if you're here and you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ right now, we want to give you the chance to do that too. Let's pray together. Friend, if that's where you're at in your life, you, you, you know that you've sinned, you've broken God's commands, and you know that you've never received that forgiveness. If that's where you're at and you're ready for that to change, you're ready to enter into that relationship with Jesus, you, you're ready to put your faith in Him, 
Friend, I want you to know you can do that right now. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you're ready to take that step today, you can follow me in a simple prayer like this. And friend, I promise you, I promise you on the authority of God's Word, if you pray this in faith, Jesus will save you. He'll forgive you. He'll start walking with you. You pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've broken your commands. But Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you didn't stay in the grave, but that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, today I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin. I'm asking you to be my Savior. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to walk with you. I'm ready to be all yours. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if somebody made that decision today, they'd share it with someone before they leave. I pray that if there's anybody who's still not sure where they stand with you, not sure if they've received that forgiveness, pray that they have the, the boldness, the courage to come and talk to Brother John during this final song. And Father, for those of us who, who have made that decision, who've given our lives to Jesus Christ, I, I pray that we would desire every day to walk closely with You. And that as a part of that, we would regularly examine our lives for sin so that we wouldn't ignore our sin or deny it, that we wouldn't refuse to confess it. Now, that we would walk in the light, we would confess those sins, and we would cling tightly to You. Oh, Father, help us just respond the right way when we sin. Help us respond the right way when we see one another's sin, that we would encourage each other, we would lift one another up, that we would point one another back to You constantly that this would be a place where you are honored and glorified. Father, we love you. But you proved long ago when you sent your son that you love us more. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.